is the Entertainment Beyond Podcast with your host, Jensen Dean Jackson and Alan Weinstein, bringing you all things relevant in pop culture and entertainment. We will be with you weekly, at least, talking about movies, politics, music, and all things in between. So check us out. See you next week. Same bad time, same bad station. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another rousing edition of Entertainment Beyond. And for once, my name is Jensen Dean Jackson, joined by... Tony Tran. How's it going, guys? And it is going good, you guys. As you can tell, that's not Mr. Entertainment Beyond. That's not any of the other guest hosts we had. This is a fresh face, or voice, as it were. And Tony, I don't know if you've listened to some of the podcasts or not, but I'd like to spice things up by doing an unofficial sponsorship that'll eventually one day probably result in me going to court (laughs) today's unofficial sponsor is a is a sponsor we've had before unofficially it's red hook big ballard imperial ipa tagline is you sure you betcha you hear that crisp pop oh yeah that sounds good Mm. Big Ballard, 19.2 fluid ounces with 8.6 alcohol, alcohol, I don't know what alcohol is, but alcohol volume content. And so, Tony, uh, I've kind of been in a holding pattern. My uh, co-host has been out of town, so I've just been, you know, scrounging up little tidbits of news to just regurgitate. And uh, I think one... Start with this one. It's from I don't know if you've seen the uh, Harley Quinn show on HBO Max. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that's the shit right there, man. It is. Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh no, you're fine. There's there's no there's it's it's adult. I cuss okay. all the time. I don't give a Perfect. fuck. The listeners yeah. fucking know. Okay, so this one is uh it's something I think you saw me post it on uh on my Facebook feed, but uh. It's uh, talking about the do's and don'ts of being a superhero. Um, The creator, last name uh, Halpern, stated, A perfect example of that is this third season of Harley, when we had a moment where Batman was going down on Catwoman, and DC was like, you can't do that. You you absolutely cannot do that. Uh, They're like, heroes don't do that. So we said, are you saying heroes are just selfish lovers? They were like, no, they were like, no, it's that we sell consumer toys for heroes. It's hard to sell a toy if Batman is also going down on someone. Uh, I'm sorry. First and foremost, I mean, like, I know a lot of people that would buy that particular toy. <laughs> I would be, I mean, come on. They already showed Batman's full on cock in a, in, a, in a comic. I mean, he can show his dick to people who don't want to see it. You know, because I didn't need to see that. That I know a lot yeah. about Batman. I don't need to know, you know, beneath the utility belt. But yeah. it's, it's, uh, it's, it's just. It seems a little, you know, stupid, fucking dumb. Yeah. Because yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Like, if, if they can show everything and anything from you know any female superhero, supervillain, or whatever, as like, and the fact that pretty much everybody and anybody has blinked in comics to this point. Like, come on, get your head out of your ass. This is ridiculous. And for me, you know, being being a uh, aficionado myself, 
you know, make me a little happy to know that Dark Knight likes the same things that I like. You know, I like going down on chicks. He likes going down on chicks. It's nothing wrong. It's a human being thing. You know, I don't think that, first of all, if you're letting your children watch Harley Quinn, you're fucking up as a, as a parental. I'll just say that right away. It just, this is the most frustrating thing. And the thing that a lot of people don't know about this type of uh, medium or culture, pop culture icons, uh, it ain't about what we like. It's about how much money can they make off of it. And Batman is, you know, it, it, it's ridiculous because... Marvel gave up the rights for for making most of the money on the Spider-Man movies that they co-produce with Sony, but they keep all the toy sales. And the reason they do that is because they make so much more money in sales than toys than they do in ticket sales. Yeah. And it's just, it's ridiculous. If Batman wants to eat some pussy, let him eat some goddamn pussy. Who's it gonna hurt? Yeah, no, and like you you said, I mean, like, parents get their heads up their asses about the fact that, oh, it's cartoons for kids. It's like, no, bitch, look... You know, like, all of us that grew up with, you know, the Dark Knight, Paul Dini's Batman in the 90s, like, we love this, we eat this up, because this is, this is, like, our world growing up, you know? Like, there's a reason why, like, comics aren't like, you know, freaking Adam West 66 Batman anymore, it's like all those people grew up and we can't still consume the same media, but there is stuff for kids, you know? Like, there is Batman for kids, there is, you know, whatever, so don't, don't be crossing into our media, you know, just because you hate and it's ridiculous. It reminds me of something that Disney had stated. They were going to do a, a Lizzie McGuire, um, I don't know if it would be like a reboot or, or whatever, revival, there's a word. And uh, the creator of Lizzie McGuire and the star Hilary Duff herself both said, you know, these are characters that are grown up. They should be able to deal with sex, sexual situations and grown up shit. And Disney and in its infinite, like, unwisdom is like, absolutely not. You can grow up, but you can't bang a ring. And it's just like, what? So confused. Like, what? What the fuck are we teaching um, the future generation? This is why you know America is so fucking stunted and behind the curve when it comes to being open about you know sexuality and shit. Because we'd rather be all fucking weird and repressed and puritanical with the shit. It's like it's a. Yeah, I mean it's it's one hundred percent what you're saying. I mean. You know, it's the same thing with, like, all fucking Disney wants is they want that Ash Ketchum 47-year-old, 12-year-old for the rest of their life. And we're all like, man, these people are grown-ass adults. They need to be grown-ass adults. We can't, like, we, we are the fans that love this show, and we keep watching this shit. We keep giving you, your, you know, our money if you just appreciate the fact that, you know, they need to mature with us. Exactly. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it, you know. Everybody's different. Everybody matures differently. But, you know, I've kind of been, since I've been like a, a young kid, I kind of just figured Batman was banging Catwoman. I mean, it kind of felt, especially in the animated series, it always felt like it was implied, you know, longing hugs and stares and shit like that. It just, it's, it's, I don't know. It's weird. And uh, unless you had anything to say about that, we can move on to the next uh, piece of news. Yeah, let's go ahead and hit it. All right. Well, this next piece of news, uh, gosh, I really suck at singing, but I got to commit to it. No one fucks like Gaston. No one ducks like Gaston. No one has incredible giant ducks like Gaston. I just made that up. That's not a Gaston song. 
but you can literally take Gaston and just add anything and no one but Gaston will have it. And uh, speaking of Gaston, Disney Plus officially ordered a Beauty and the Beast prequel series centered on Gaston and LeFou, a spinoff featuring the devilish duo as, or a uh, duo has been buzzed about since the tale as old as time received a 2017 live action adaption. During the press circuit, both Luke Evans and Josh Gad openly spoke about the desire to revisit their characters and explore how they teamed up in the first place. In 2020, it was revealed that Disney Plus was indeed indeed developing a prequel limited series. Once Upon a Time creators Adam Harowitz and Eddie Kitsith joined forces with Gad to flesh out the story. Gad and Evans immediately signed on to reprise their roles from Bill Condon's hit film. So I, I think I remember something being you know, offhandedly mentioned during one of the press junkets I was reading about for Beauty and the Beast. And uh, I, I definitely remember there being talk of there being a LeFoe something centered on that character. Yeah, I, I, like, that's news to me. Like, I didn't know anything about that. And I, I would 100% back the whole LeFoe, you know, like, prequel or sequel. But, like, I don't know how I feel about Gaston. Because they give Gaston the Cruella de Vil treatment. Which, I mean, that was, a, that was a pretty good movie. Like, I'm not going to say that it wasn't bad. But, like, you can't humanize every villain. Like, yes, a good, a good villain is a villain that you can connect with. Like, I find some of my favorite villains are villains that you understand, but just can't back. But, like, when you take somebody like Gaston, who is, like, the epitome of terrible human douchebag, I was like, man, like, I hope they keep with that, and they just work with LeFoe, because I don't know if I want to see Gaston redeemed in any way. Yeah, no, um, I'm not really, Gaston works as Gaston is. It doesn't really need to be a lot of depth to him, you know. I mean, I guess you could show, you know, he was a war hero, if I remember correctly. So you could show that, but you don't need to, you don't need to humanize a bastard, honestly. Yeah, I'm, yeah I mean, like, I'm, I'm just really hoping that the focus is going to be in LeFoe and the fact that, like, you know, like, I think LeFoe was in that war, too. And honestly, like, I would have loved it if he was, like, a super badass, but kind of dialed it down because he was in love with Gaston and was trying to, you know, do impress whatever. Him. Yeah, impress him or be his lackey or whatever because he wanted to be in his life. But like, or you know, some other cool, interesting storyline with LeFoe to explain why LeFoe was with Gaston. But like, I just, I don't really want to be like, oh, you know, Gaston was beaten as a child, or like, ah, oh, like, go humanize Gaston. Like he, he you is. Don't, the you don't want to give Gaston the Joker treatment? No, like, it's just, you know, like sometimes you just need a bad guy to be a bad guy, and when you have somebody as, you know, centric, toxic masculinity, like Gaston was, you know, the ideal toxic masculinity story. In you know an early '90s, late '80s film, or you know cartoon, and you're like, wow, this is the reason why we shouldn't be this. And if you humanize that, then that kind of takes away some of the aspects of the point of why this is so bad. But come on, Tony, isn't that you know? And I, I don't know how. There's no way to dance around the truth. And sometimes you say things that just sounds racist. But I hope they don't. You know. If they're going to put a white person in the writing room for this movie, make it someone who's logical and not out of touch with reality. Because that's yeah. how you end up getting shit where, oh, no, this guy, barrel-chested asshole, he's really good on the inside. Like, you know, even though he didn't really do it, but it was implied that he was a woman beater. I mean, that's kind of how I took it from Gaston. So 
I just hope that they put people in that room. Plus, there's the whole revelation, even though it was weak as shit, because I watched that whole fucking movie waiting for them to give some kind of credence to, to uh, Lafoe being gay, and all he did was dance with the guy, literally for like the last couple seconds of the movie. So I'd yeah, like to see them, you know, help him, you know, have him explore that or, or you know, go through something like that, because those times are probably a lot, lot, a lot more difficult than... It's still difficult today, but those dark ages where, you know, everything was pretty much just like sorcery or witchcraft, yeah. uh, it would be interesting to see. But then again, it's fucking Disney, so who knows how deep they're going to... True, but I mean, like, in that same respect, like, you have to also, like, I'm, I'm glad that Disney has been doing a lot in recognizing LGBTQ plus characters, you know, like, we just got done watching uh, Owl House, the new animated series from Disney, and... You know, they, they have basically a non-binary, you know, character as the main character and a non, you know, cis relationship between characters. And all I could think it was like, oh, finally, like a naturally evolving thing where like the entire focus is on the fact that they're not normal. Like, you know, like there's so many things coming out Disney-wise that are like, oh, this is actually kind of neat that they're finally showing these other aspects. I mean... Even not even Disney, you know, you have like She-Ra that came out, and you know, everybody's like, "Oh wow, like this is, this is incredible!" Like nobody's ever touched these storylines before and normalized these things before, and so like this is Disney's chance to be like, "Hey, you know, the phone was always clearly gay, but Gaston is just so caught up in his own machismo that he just, you know, ignored it." Like that is something that I want to see, and I hope that Disney pulls that out of the hat because having that in a live action character rather than animated I feel is a good next step for Disney if they want to keep progressing with the world because if they're if they don't progress with the world then they're just going to be another Fox News absolutely and I'm not taking anything away from Disney if anything I'm saying that they could have done more than what they did which is like they made a because I remember reading it before the movie came out and they made such a big deal and I'm like, well, I've seen this movie, and that's kind of yep. my issue with the live action. It's like, I've seen this, you know? And so I, I read it, and it was like a, it was almost like a throwaway thing. It was almost like a, give, a gimme instead of yeah. a legitimate, like, earnest thing. And that's what I'm saying is that they need to stop. And that's the funny thing is that uh, I had always bump into this my ex-roommate. He would talk about how it's wrong to teach kids about being gay and whatnot. And the thing that I, because I remember my little brother from a very young age, me and my siblings, we we knew, you know. We didn't ever say nothing about it. We didn't tease him, you know, but we knew. We just knew. And from like a very young age, so my thing is like enough, enough with the pussyfooting around. This shit is all around us. Like you can't pretend, you know, like I know the movies where you go to make pretend, but there has to be representation for everybody not just for black people, for white people, for Asian people, for Mexicans, for fucking everybody. Everybody should be able to go to the movie theaters and it see and see at least one representation of themselves on yeah. the screen. Because otherwise, how is that fucking appealing? Yeah, no, I'm I'm 100 behind that. I mean, and like you said, you know, like Disney pulled out the 1950s bullshit. You know, the 1950s were like films weren't allowed to have you know sex or any intimate relationships. So like. You know, like, in those films, it's like, oh, there's a man and a woman sitting in bed at the same time. He's like, oh, they're fucking. I'm like, it's like, you can't. No, like, that's ridiculous. Like, oh, the phone is dancing with a guy. They're clearly gay. He's like, no, man, just fucking make them gay. Be straightforward. Be honest about it. It is not a sin. It is not, you know, like, immoral. Like, 
they're human beings. Like, why can't, you know, so yeah, I'm, I'm with you, you know, just, just be out with it, be straightforward with it, represent these characters, represent these people, because, like, they're out there, they exist, and they're fighting for their lives a lot of the times because people are so afraid of them. And you, know, you can't tell me that that's not true because every time that a gay person appears on screen, you get 40 million, you know, whatever is, you know, throwing out. Like, you can't show that on the screen. I'm like, well, we show your straight ass, you know, fucking all the goddamn time. Yeah. Like, yeah, you, know? you know, the funny thing is for me is I don't care if it's gay people or straight people having sex. I, for me, I'm just uncomfortable watching it. I don't want to see that. Like, I know exactly where I can go, where I am comfortable to watch two adults have sex, and it's not going to be a movie theater shared with a bunch of other consenting, non-masturbating adults. Yeah, you know? I mean, yeah. Like, make it make it obvious. Have them go in the bedroom, play some walk, walk, fade to black. No, I, I don't. Even, no, I didn't give a fuck. I just watched this really, really, really good fucking show on Netflix called Halston, starring yeah. Ewan McGregor fucking good man that guy goes to pound town you know what i'm not bothered by it i don't know if it's because of ewan mcgregor or whatnot but i wasn't bothered by it but i'm just I'm, I'm one of those people where it's just like oh my god like i think it's something to do with my uh bible thumping adopted parents just instilled that into me you know like we went to see batman and forever and when him and chase meridian are kissing and she's in her fucking sheer uh nightgown and my fucking mom's covering my eyes and shit so you know from a very young age it was instilled in me that you know uh as borat would say the sex at times uh <laughs> uh it was instilled in me that that shit's not appropriate i don't know if you know anything about christianity but basically sex is just for having kids not for enjoyment and pleasure and what i've discovered myself over the years is that i like to fuck and i don't really care about being married so and i don't care we're all sinners if that's how it is we're all fucking sinners like it's just fascinating to me that sometimes it's okay to use sex to sell but other times when it's an earnest thing like some something that people need to talk about hey there are people that are just gonna like being with the opposite sex only there are people that are gonna you know the branch there there are multiple branches why can't we just treat it all like it's a normal human being thing people like who they like you know that's kind of the end of the story yeah but anyways uh I think we digressed from that a little bit. Let's jump to something. Let's rev the engines back up. You know, live life a a quarter mile at a time. Oh, oh, hell yeah. Uh, Fast 9 star Tyrese Gibson reveals that Fast and Furious 10 and 11, I can't believe I'm even saying that, will shoot back to back. The ninth Fast and Furious movie has yet to premiere in the United States and it is already breaking pandemic box office records due to its performance in international markets. Furious 7 was the first in the series to gross a billion dollars worldwide. And the last few installments have made it one of the most successful movie franchises ever. As its box office returns recently surpassed, holy fucking shit, $6 billion globally. Uh, yeah, they're looking to shoot the, the last chapter in the Fast and Furious saga will finally debut in the United States a little over a week from now, uh, June 25th. But the real meat and potatoes of that, which, I mean, it makes sense. You you look at uh, any major, and and uh, no, no pun intended, but any major end game of a franchise, you know, Harry Potter, Twilight, uh, there's some other ones out there I can't think of, uh, the fucking Hunger Games movies, they split the last two into uh two movies and with those those three that i mentioned they did that purely because the last books 
Well, Harry yeah. Potter and Twilight, the last books of those were ginormous. Um, yeah. The last Hunger Games book was, you know, n- not even half of uh, Harry Potter 7. So it was they yeah. just stretched it because they were greedy bitches. But uh, I don't know about you, but I'm not surprised that they'd want to shoot back to back. They're probably going to space out the releases if I had to guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, honestly, like, I'm glad that they have some sense to close the saga out. You know, like, a lot of people will just keep going and keep going and keep going. Like, I was just reading an article that, that uh, you know, Vin Diesel was like, you know, like, every good series has an end, and you can't just keep pushing it forever. So I'm like, you know, that's good to know that there's there, there's a direction, that there's a purpose. Um, I mean, I, I followed the Fast films since the beginning, and... I'm really glad that, you know, at least for nine, they brought Justin Lin back and, you know, and subsequently brought back Han. I still don't know how they brought back Han, but I'm excited to find out. But um, like, I'm really curious to see who they bring in for the 10th, for the next next two films back to back. Like, I'm hoping that they stick with Justin Lin, but we'll see, I guess. I think Justin Lin is finishing this. I, I believe I read something that said he's finishing the series out. You know, at least the main line, they plan to spin off. They're talking about yeah. doing an all-females um, Fast yeah, and the, Furious. Yeah, and then like the Hobbs and Shaw, which is a whole other mess. I don't even give a shit. You, did you know? Fun fact that if they had a, they had not, if they had held off production on Hobbs and Shaw and pushed that forward, and and stuck to the original release date, we are, would have already seen Fast and Furious Nine by now. Mm-hmm. It's, that was it's, longer. Go ahead. I was gonna just gonna say it's exactly. Uh, Dwayne, and I got like a beef with Dwayne Johnson, but it's his fault, you know, that movie's fault that uh, we, and, and, then, and then the pandemic, but primarily if Hobbs and Shaw, which is just like a, such a, to me, it's a unneeded sidetrack, especially if you're, if you're looking from the whole aspect of who Deckard Shaw was and what he did, he shouldn't really be given the dude a fucking two-hour cartoon, live-action yeah. cartoon to, you know? Yeah, like, I have mixed feelings about Hobbs and Shaw, too. I mean, you know, Tyrese Gibson flat out said, hey, man, like, don't make this film. Like, he, he, you know, he actually sat down and, like, asked Johnson, he's like, hey, man, don't don't make this film. Let, let us finish what we're doing. Because, like, you know, Gibson even knew, it was like, we only have a certain amount of time to make these last, you know, pieces to wrap up the saga. And the more that we delay, the older that we get, and the harder it's going to be to do what we got to do. But, like, on the flip side of it, you know, as cartoony and ridiculous as Hobbs and Shaw was, like, I gotta give Johnson credit for, you know, hiring in so many, you know, just indigenous, you know, like, Samoan, Hawaiian, whatever, like, people that, like, don't normally get brought in to these large projects. Like, yeah, it, it was a cash grab for sure, and it was not a great film for sure, but, like, you know, I, I'm always going to support somebody that puts money back into the community, even if, you know, it's damaging. But they could have released it in a better way at a better time. It could have been a side project that, you know, they did when they were free and had time for it. didn't have to take a place of an actual fast film, in my opinion. No, it didn't. But it not to objectify her, but it did introduce me. That's a lie because Mission Impossible did that first. But it brought back one of my uh, most favorite... Uh, I don't want to call her a fast female because that sounds wrong. But uh, a lady in the Fast and Furious franchise in Vanessa Kirby, which in my opinion, she is fucking fine as fuck. She is so pretty. Like, those eyes. Oh, man, she is so fucking pretty. 
But I, uh, besides that, I didn't really feel like the movie was needed. I know, obviously, they're going to get a sequel and whatnot, but it's yeah. it's nice. I mean, if you would have told me, I don't remember how old I was exactly. I know I was a teenager, just like all of us that love Fast and Furious. Mm-hmm. But if you had told me that this would turn into a fucking 11 movie franchise where they're, you know, all but assured to be going to space in this next one and whatnot. Like, I just watched a clip where Dom and Letty drove off the side of a cliff and connected to, like, what would have been the rope for a bridge and fucking Tarzan swung from one island to another. There's just no fucking limits to what I I, I just... You know, it's funny, because these are just, at this point, they've turned into superhero films. Yeah. And it's funny. It's just, I fucking love these movies. And anybody who doesn't get them, I don't get those people, because this is all what, what going to the movies is about. It's yeah, getting like... lost in some silly shit. And, you know, sometimes you just have to, if you want to go see a movie where logic might be implied, go get your mind fucked up by a Darren Aronofsky movie. Because he could do that for you all day. Mm-hmm. But if you want to have fun... You know, live your life a quarter mile at a time. You know, join Dom and the gang. Mm-hmm. I'm still waiting for it. You know, like, they're talking about, you know, like, their desire to do, like, a fast versus, like, you know, Jurassic Park world. I was like, you know, forget that. Like, give me the, you know, the fast versus triple X. Because, like, the last triple X film I loved because it was literally another fast film. Like, you look at it as a fast film, it makes complete sense. And, like, it even ends the same way where, like, it's all of them, like, we're family. And there's, like, nine, you know, triple X's together having, like, a picnic. I'm like, yeah, this is a fucking fast film. Like, I want to see them go against each other. Come on, you don't want to see some Jurassic Fury? No, I mean, as, as much as I want to see Dom face off a dinosaur and, you know, drifted like a Tokyo Drift car, I'd rather see, you know, <laughs> Dom versus Xander. Or hell, even, like, if, you know, if they if they go into space like we're talking about, like, have him meet Riddick. You know, he's up there, uh, too. Like, just, just combine the universes. Let's have a day. Have, have you seen those movies recently? The Riddick films? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I've watched all of them, man. Dude, there's, like... An uncomfortable level of sexual aggression towards almost any female in any of those movies. Yeah, like, that's one of the things that like, I really didn't appreciate, especially like the second and third films, where it's like... It's I'm like, like the third one's gonna be cool, and, and no, this is really aggressive towards... Uh, the one female character. Katie Sackhoff's character, yeah, who happened to be yeah. gay, so it was even worse. So yeah, I mean, like... Like, I'm not a big fan of that, and, you know, I'm hoping that, you know, Diesel will start picking up on the fact that his main character doesn't have to be hyper-male-aggressive, toxic, you know, like, stick with the Dom character, someone that respects people, that earns respect, you know, stick with that mentality, like, don't regress back to, you know, like, your eight-year-old D&D games where it's like, ah, girls, whatever, it's like, no, man, come on, you know, like, evolve the, the content, evolve the media, like, don't be that person, and, like, yeah, so... Hopefully he'll get away from that in the next Riddick film if he ever does it, but, you know, like, you know, like I was, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, sorry. Yeah, I was kind of just trailing off because, like, there's been a lot of, like, talks about, you know, cancel culture, like, you know, as another piece of article information that's kind of recent, Seth Rogen went off recently about the fact that, you know, like, comedians need to grow up and not, you know, jump on cancel culture because cancel culture is relevant. That it's something that's, you know, it's not canceling. It's something that's 
consequences related. And the fact that like a lot of comedians can't, you know, get a hold of it and grasp why that exists and why comedians are being canceled. It's like, look, you know, like we're not saying that, you know, the stuff that you did back in the eighties and nineties weren't related to the eighties and nineties. What we're saying is is that we're in the two thousands now and, you know, like what you said then you might have got a couple of laughs from 10 people, but you weren't thinking about the 100 people behind it that were hurting. And now that you know that they exist, be better. You know, it's like, be better now, because you know now what you didn't know then. You didn't have the internet then. You didn't have the information then. You didn't know who you were hurting then. But you know now, and if you're still going in and being like, oh, you know, like, don't don't talk about my comedy from the 90s, blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, just understand that you were ignorant about the facts back then. Accept it and move on. And, you know, like, that's kind of you know, kind of off the center of speech here, but like my beef with Kevin Hart is that he's so enraged at people attacking him about, you know, his old cans, his old, his old, his old bits. Where I was like, dude, you're not that person anymore, but every time that you start clapping back at people for calling you out and you said, well, that's just how comedy was. I was like, that's not an excuse, man. I mean, I love Robin Williams, but I sure as shit hate his early stuff and his early stuff was bad. Yeah. But that's not, that's not him anymore. So anyway, like I'm, I'm digressing, but basically, you know, grow with the world, grow, grow with the culture. Don't go backwards, go forwards. Absolutely. And you know, it's funny because I remember reading that same article, not, a, not to get off on a tangent, I'll say this and then we can move on to the next article. But I remember reading that article, and the reason I remember reading that article by Seth Rogen, or about Seth Rogen, is because there was also another article about Seth Rogen around the same time of him shocked to find out that uh, fucking James Franco had more, you know, essentially essentially Me Too allegations. Um, But these fucking sexual predator allegations on Franco go all the way back to his production of uh, Palo Alto years ago. And I remember reading that and being like, it's, it's to me, it sucks when someone that you admire for their art firm form turns out to be a fucking creep, you know? So I remember reading that and then it went away and I'm like, huh, you know, maybe he never did it, but then it came back and it was worse. And I am just a little suspicious I'm suspicious of people that have known some James Franco and Seth Rogen go all the way back to Freaks and Geeks, essentially since they were teenagers. And for me, I kind of find it hard to believe that someone can be that deeply ingrained in someone else's life and not even have like a small inkling that there might be something off about them. And so, you know, I've saying this, it almost sounds like I'm taking away Seth Rogen's whole spiel about being accountable for saying crazy shit but i kind of don't believe it you know seeing it, it to me it felt too convenient for him to be saying that shit right as right as people were asking him hey man what the fuck how come you didn't know your buddy was a fucking super sexual predator mm. been having sex with minors for like years yeah that's 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 a great point and you know like like yeah you like but at the same aspect, like, I get the opposite view of it, too, to where, like, you just, you put on these stupid blinders that you don't realize that you're putting on because you're just so engrossed in your own world. I mean, like, look at Kevin Smith, you know, when you know, when it came out that Harvey Weinstein, like, everybody joked and everybody knew about Harvey Weinstein. And Kevin Smith, you know, flat out thought, you know, it was like, oh, people are just joking, people are just, you know, ribbing each other. And then when it came out, then, no, Harvey Weinstein was a straight-up predator, was straight-up you know, like ruining careers if they didn't sleep with them. You know, what did Kevin Smith do? He was like, like he was crying. He was like, I can't believe that this monster 
was this monster. I can't believe that I just ignored it because I thought it was just, you know, people giving each other shit. And, you know, what he did, he said he didn't want his money anymore. He flat out said, you know, anything from a Weinstein production, like, I'm donating that money. That's dirty money. I don't want that in my life. I don't need that in my life. Like, I can live off other works that I've done. That money is going towards, you know, charities and rescues and whatever. I'm like, you know, good on you, man. Good on you to realize that, you know, that yes, your empire was built on dirt. But you're going to turn that around because you don't want that legacy to be, you know, on Weinstein anymore. And so, like, you know, Rogan needs to step up and be like, hey, you know, like, I didn't realize, I didn't know, you know, like, he needs to speak up before it's too late. Because, like you said, like, you can't be with someone as long as you are and work with them as long as you have and not realize, like, like did you really not know? And if you didn't, like, what are you going to do about it? Because you know now, you know, step forward, do something about it. Well, he said he planned to distance himself from... I don't know, I just find it... I mean, I, I completely see your side of the story. I'm just a super skeptical, so... There are yeah. all these moving pieces, like he's about to... Him and Evan Goldberg are going to go in production on a live adaption of, um... Fucking... Uh... What was the name of that show? Uh, Invincible. They're going to do a live action, like a, a, a big screen adaption of that movie so all the shit's happening you know he's got that going on so i just i'm a very skeptical person it could be you know that he really didn't know because i i admit it myself i've been blind to what people's true natures are until it was almost too late for me you know so i get that i just i'm a skeptical cat and it's brewing on my mind and i never really got to like voice my opinion to anybody because not a lot of people are as deeply ingrained in this side of entertainment as people like you and me, you know, for obviously for reasons like podcasting. Yeah, I mean, there's there's so many things that are so problematic and we can't talk about every single one of them because I can go on for days about how much there's so many actors that I loved growing up that I can't watch anymore because of some of the decisions they made as human beings, you know, so... Don't even get me fucking started, honey. <laughs> like, Bill Cosby was my goddamn hero. Like, mm-hmm. it's very hard... Because you imagine being a fucking black child growing up, and there's a black guy on TV who's not only he's a fucking good family man, but he's a fucking doctor. Yeah. Like, Bill Cosby was legit my hero. And, like, that's, people always say, you know, don't this, your hero, that, that, and shit. Like, I don't have heroes anymore, man. Because it turns out all of them are just goddamn fucking rapists. Mm-hmm. Like, it's really, yeah. it's really fucking sad, but, you know... Let's, you know, try to keep it light and playful. And speaking of light and playful, Tony, um, I'm light and playfully sipping on this Red Hook Big Ballard IPA, uh, the unofficial sponsor of today's podcast, uh, Big Ballard. Be big, be, be red, and hook yourself a sixer of this Red Hook Big Ballard. And all right, let's move on. Well, let's... Uh, Let's get the sad one out of the way so we don't end on a sad note. All right. Okay. Uh, longtime actor Lisa Baines, known for her work in Gone Girl, has passed away at the age of 65. Very young age. Uh, psychological thriller based, or released in 2014 was a huge success with Baines' role as Maribeth Elliott, the mother of the missing woman, adding to the critically acclaimed plot. Baines starred alongside Ben Affleck, Rosamund Pike, Taylor, Tyler Perry, Neil Patrick Harris, and more in the film, which is based on the thriller novel of the same name, Gone Girl. Uh, yeah, 
that's the uh, the unfortunate news. It's it's always tough when you know like actors and actresses that you've known in the past like like it really you know like for a lack of a better term it really ages yourself when you realize like oh man like I grew up watching these these people in these films and these TV shows and they're dead and you're like wait hold on like like how old am I now like where am I at in my life you know because yeah like it's it's disheartening because you know you don't. You don't forget these moments when these people that you fall in love with on screen are gone and they, you will never be able to see them again. Oh, man, it's really depressing. It uh, it says that Deadline reports that Baines died 10 days after being struck in a hit-and-run accident caused by either a, sh- a scooter or a motorcycle in New York City. Baines, who is a resident in Los Angeles, was in the city for a role in Manhattan Theater Club's streaming production of the niceties while on her way to meet her wife for dinner she was struck in a crosswalk near lincoln center and that's even more depressing because a couple episodes ago uh i as i was during the middle of the podcast i got a live update that the actress who played narcissa malfoy in the harry potter franchise had passed away and it's just like that that really hit me because even though she didn't have, like, I always enjoyed Narcissa, the character in the books, you know, even though she didn't really get to do much in the movies, it was still great to see a physical representation. So while I had not seen much of the actress's work outside of the Harry Potter movies, it was still sad. And this is sad, too, especially the way that she passed yeah, away. That's, that's terrible. And... I mean, you know, it's just life. Life life moves in a way that you just can't plan for, and it just sucks that it's, you know, that she died from being struck by a vehicle. Like, you know, just... Not only wow. that, but someone who couldn't even stick around and, and do the right thing. Yeah, like... Yeah, I, I, I'm at a loss for words, because that's just terrible. That's just... That just shouldn't have happened. It should yeah, not it have shouldn't. happened, and, uh... You know what, let's get out of that. We got that out of the way. And let's get back to something a little more light and playful. Maybe, you know, it's to you, this could be saucy news. To me, this is just, you know, more of Hollywood. But yeah. uh says um, Rachel McAdams said no three times to a role that could have changed her career tra- trajectory. Playing Andy in The Devil Wears Prada. The motion picture told the story of a recent college graduate who yearned to work as a serious journalist but instead scored a highly prized job as an assistant to miranda presley uh trying to get to the meat and potatoes oh the devil wears prada recently celebrated the 15th anniversary of its 06 theatrical release the film captured the essence of the fashion industry when glossy magazines captured readers imaginations with designer outfits and created an ideal for women to live up to in terms of beauty Andy, who never really cared about her appearance, suddenly became self-absorbed as she fought an internal battle to stay true to herself. Uh, yeah, um, it says in a new oral history of the now classic film, directed, director David Frankel revealed the Annie Hathaway role was offered to another actress. We offered it to Rachel McAdams three times, director Frankel said. To Entertainment Weekly of the Andy Sachs role, the studio was determined to have her, and she was determined not to do it. You know, like, 
I can never get tired of hearing about actors who pass over films that we, you know, today call like classics or like, you know, career launching and what have you. I mean, like I've read a bunch of stories about different actors and different people just like passing on films that either A, like they didn't understand the script or B, they just didn't, you know, have something else they wanted to work on. And, you know, like that's one of the, the dangers of public opinion is that like you don't know, you really don't know going into something if it's going to be an instant classic, if it's going to be something that's going to change the movie industry. Keanu Reeves didn't know that, you know, The Matrix is going to do what The Matrix did. And so did all the actors that passed on his role before they went to Keanu. Oh, you mean like and, Will Smith? Yeah. I mean, there was, there was so many actors that said, I, I can't grasp what's going on, or like, this is ridiculous, or no one's going to really pay attention to this. And, you know, bam, turns around in public opinion, it's like, oh, well, there's one thing that we like about this, or this film's really hitting on a lot of people. And, you know, like, it's unfortunate that, you know, Rachel McAdams' career didn't launch from this film, from Double Wars Prada. Um, but, you know, like, you just, you don't know. I mean, you really don't know what's going to take off. I mean, going back to Fast and the Furious, the only reason that that took off the way that it did wasn't because it was a great film to begin with. It was because, you know, in that instance, it was because Vin Diesel was like, like, I love this character, I love this film, and I want to keep working on it. And the studio, you know, like, didn't really work with him on the second film and the third film. But on the third film, they asked him, like, hey, you know, like, would you appear in this? He was like, yeah, but you got to give me the rights to the film. And they did, and then now we have fast history. And so, like, you know, like, it's hard to grab a script and be like, this is going to blow up. This is going to change the world. So... I, I can't even imagine the Devil Wars Prada with, you know, McAdams. I mean, that's the other side of films is once, you know, you nail the role and you're in that situation and they create the film with you in it, you know, like no one else can really take over that role in the future. Absolutely. I, I myself, I haven't seen it, but I do like Annie Hathaway. I don't understand why so many people don't like her. I think she seems to be a genuinely nice woman. You know, could all be like a nefarious act, but she seems to be a very nice uh, person. And you know, I, I've seen I've seen enough of the trailers and whatnot. I love Glenn Close. You know, oh yeah, everything about her and anything. Yeah. There's, you know, I want to get closer to Glenn Close. <laughs> and uh, yeah, no, so it's Rachel McAdams. Uh, it's funny when they talk about traject trajectory and whatnot. I feel like she's had a, a damn good career. You know, she's been in lots of, lots of, I think her most popular mainstream movie would be uh, Wedding Crashers, but probably one of the, my favorite Rachel McCams movie is uh, The Notebook. Oh, like yeah. Movie. Yeah, and in that film, the, the key characters hated each other's guts, and that still turned out great. Yeah. So, so you know, like, that's, a, that's a credit to their, both of their acting abilities, is the, they hate each other's guts and still turn on a film like The Notebook and turn it into what it turned into. Like, yeah, I mean, you know, just because Behandles wasn't in Double Wars Prada doesn't mean that, you know, she didn't get to where she needed to go the way that she wanted to go. And I think that's, that's important, is being able to do that without people like Harvey Weinstein just shutting your career down because you won't sleep with a you yeah. monstrous bastard. Because, you know, rapers got to rape, apparently. Yeah, you know, you can't do anything about it because, you know, guys just nicks in their blood or whatever. Yeah, whatever excuse. weird bullshit people make up as an excuse to assuage their own guilt. Mm. But, uh, 
we'll uh, we'll move on and we'll something that might make you happy. I know this is definitely going to bring out all the fucking soccer moms and shit. But uh, Sonic the Hedgehog 2 adds Criminal Mind star Shamar Moore to its cast and reveals a new photo from the set. Oh, dang. So obviously I can't show anybody the photo. You guys have to go. I'm getting most of this news from Screen Rant. If anybody, I don't give them enough credit. You know, I'm definitely not making it up. I don't have any sources. I'm just some guy regurgitating shit. But uh, yeah, there it is. Shamar Moore of Criminal Minds and um, the SWAT TV show, Fame, if that's even still on there. Uh, yeah, he's going to be bringing his um, talents, if you will, to uh, Sonic the Hedgehog 2, which in my opinion, Tony, I, uh, I like everybody else, I was very disturbed by why a hedgehog in the original cut of the movie would ever have teeth, human teeth at that. And then uh, when they redid it, I'm like, you know what? I think that's when the pandemic started really kicking into effect. And so obviously no one was going anywhere. So I waited. And that is, that's probably, there's another movie that just came out. But, uh, oh, yeah. Um, so the, the two best video game adaption movies for my money so far are Sonic the Hedgehog and Mortal Kombat. Like, hands down. But Sonic is number one. Like, easily. I don't know. I mean, Detective Pikachu was pretty solid. <laughs> I haven't seen Detective Pikachu yet. That's why I can't say anything. Oh, uh, okay. Well, I mean, it's honestly, like, if you get a chance, it's, it's worthwhile. It's, it's pretty pretty spot on to what you want to see in a Pokemon movie. But, uh, but yeah, I, I'm with you on Sonic. I mean, like, there's a degree to where the, the viewership should have a say in a film. Versus a degree to where the writers and the creators have to really put out their image and their review of film, you know, and it's hard to find that middle ground. But I'm glad that the team on Sonic were like, "Oh yeah, no, we uh, we did dirty this time around. Let's let's uh, let's back this train up and fix Sonic to look like Sonic." Like there are some things you don't have to make super realistic. As much as you know, like you want to have like a completely realistic character, like Sonic was already an extra dimensional character to begin with in this film. Why bother trying to anthropomorphize or whatever? Anthropomorphize a regular hedgehog with human features. Just have Sonic. He's looked the same in everything he's ever been in. And, you know, they backed the train up, spent lots of money to fix that. But fix it, they did. And the film, I don't think, would have succeeded without that fix because it would have been a horror film otherwise. Yeah, they were they were, they were going to bomb. You know, I've, I've talked about this, this weird obsession. You know, there have been Sonic games where... Sonic and like a female human character straight up fucked and uh I don't don't ask me why that needs to be a thing but it's a thing it's uh everybody has their fucking kinks I suppose you know I prefer me personally if it's two human beings you know we'll start there and then figure it out from there I don't need to see I don't need to see that you know and uh why they needed to humanize Sonic don't know because Sonic, you know, from his inception, he's worked. Yeah. You know, that's everything you needed. You got in that little blue spinny bulb. Of course, we all know hedgehogs aren't blue and they don't move like that. But it's Sonic. He's not even yeah. from this this fucking realm or whatever. You know, so I, yeah. I, 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 I was really surprised by Sonic the Hedgehog. It, uh, it was a lot cuter than I thought it was going to be. You know, everything worked. Uh -huh. And you got Jim Carrey. 
Oh yeah, always a always solid, and you know Jim Carrey is rarely a disappointment. Like uh, very rarely, mm. for me at least. I mean, there are moments where I don't understand what he's going for, but like when you talk, when you see the interviews and see the sit down with Jim Carrey, it's like even him and Cable Guy, which was like I hated Cable Guy as a kid, but like coming up as an adult watching, I'm like okay. I, I get the oddities now. I understand why he made that character so freaking weird. And it was very opposite of what normally Kim, Jim Carrey did. And so seeing that, it was very jarring for a lot of the viewers. But like, you know, like, especially as an older adult and really getting into his craft and really picking and choosing his jobs, I, I'm finding his, his stuff more and more interesting rather than just like, oh, I see him be a funny man. Yeah, he's definitely a guy that tries to spin mostly comedy, but he stretches, you know. I'd say the number 23 wasn't his best work. Yeah. You know, further down the the ladder of his uh, success, where it's just like, okay, well, you tried something, and, you know, go back to what, you know, works for you. Um, I mean, like, then you have films like, you know, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, I was like, wow, like, that was some depth in that. Or, uh, you know, like, what was it? I think Majestic, was he in that? I think that was him. Like, I found that to be quite enjoyable. It wasn't in his normal, like, off-the-cuff humorous roles or the Truman Show, even. You know, but, like, it's hard to have Jim Carrey and not have a little bit of funny in it, so. Yeah. I think my favorite Jim Carrey movie is Liar Liar. Oh, my he's goodness. Physical gags, threatening his own hand, and he'll break it off and he doesn't write it. <laughs> so funny. It's only yeah. stuff that Jim Carrey can pull off. Like, those, those may be lines, but it's Jim Carrey's facial features and mannerisms and, and everything, all the physical work he's bringing to it that make that, like, that, that, that to me. I remember watching it as a, like, a barely a teenager. And I still, to this day, I find that movie so fucking funny. <laughs> Especially that scene where the pen is supposed to be blue or red or whatever. And yeah, oh my goodness. <laughs> but uh, let's move on yep. to uh, the next story. And uh, it starts out, uh, Walt Disney CEO Bob Chapek says that the uc- upcoming Disney Plus series, Armor Wars, will fill the Marvel Cinematic Universe's Iron Man-sized void. The in-development series is based on the Marvel comic storyline of the same name, in which Iron Man and War Machine fought side-by-side to retrieve Stark technology, being used for wrongdoing. Though it's unclear how exactly it'll adapt, Bob Layton and David, I'm going to butcher this guy's last name, Michelinine's iconic comic. It is known that Don Cheadle will be reprising his role as James Rhodes, a.k.a. War Machine, uh, yeah, I, I, first of all, I'm just going to disagree and say that nothing, unless they're just going to straight up bring up Robert back, nothing's going to fill that, uh, that fucking Iron Man sized void. Like, just, just, you know, they can have legacy characters, but no one's ever going to do what Robert Downey Jr. did straight up. Not the, not taking anything away from, from Don Cheadle. Or the War Machine, War Machine character. It's just kind of a fact. Yeah, like, Robert Downey Jr. was a force. I mean, straight up a force. And he was the force that launched the Marvel Cinematic Universe, really. And so, you know, having him gone is going to be a big hole. And I don't know if that hole will ever get filled. But I would like to see 
you know, a lot of the, you know, a lot of this time, rather than trying to fill the whole one big name or big character, you know, just start expanding the universe. You know, like I've seen, like I've seen the pictures and I've seen the talks of Riri Williams, the Ironheart. Like hell yeah, you know, bring in Ironheart, bring in, you know, Kate Bishop as Hawkeye, Hawkeye, you know, the female Hawkeye. Like bring in all these other characters, you know that. Like have kind of been swept to the side that you know have feet that have representation that have you know that matter and work with them like they've been doing a good job of introducing these characters and the sidelines in the back like hell even in WandaVision they had Wanda's two kids um, that are you know members of the Young Avengers like I'm, I'm excited to see what they do with them I just I really hope that they just don't throw them to the side and be like oh no we just want them as a nod and rather than develop anything with them to expand the universe, we just really want another really big name here that we can put in a giant Avengers film at some point. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do with it all. You know, I, uh, people, there have been, you know, it's insane to me. I don't know if you're still waiting for your significant other to watch, uh, the new Loki show, but there have been some poor ratings on it. People just saying straight up bad, and it's like, why don't you... You've gotten so used to watching something that you got to cram everything in in two hours, which is amazing because I just watched Aquaman again for the, the first time since I saw it in theaters, and that movie is so fucking amazing, and they tell so much of a story in, in almost a two-hour and 30-minute you know, theatrical cut of of the movie not even directors theatrical cut and uh i think people have just gotten so used to having to rush through something that they're not patient enough to just let and just sit down and let them tell you a fucking story yeah no actually I, I did get time to watch that first loki episode and honestly i liked it i enjoyed it very much and uh, you're right it's that whole situation to where it's like look you know this isn't a quick turnaround to our one and done film, this is laying the groundwork to a series, and I, I think it laid a really good groundwork. I mean, there's a couple of things that you know I can talk about in another episode of Loki in general, but for now, it's like like you don't know what's going on. Same thing happened in the first One Division episode. You know, like you watch that, and like if that's all you see in the One Division in the first episode, like that's going to be a terrible series for you. You're going to be like, I don't know why, what, or why. Like this is terrible. But like you have to get through a couple episodes because just like a comic book like you you're not going to get enough from that first issue you're going to get from the second issue like you need a couple in order to make it work for you absolutely yeah especially with the the first like i don't think it's till like the end of episode three where it's like okay you know i get it with wandavision but the first two episodes you know like i was telling you the other day I would not have, if they tried that shit any longer, I'd be like, I'm not doing that. I'll just wait till Kevin Smith spoils it all in his podcast. I'm not doing this. No time for this shit. It's like, you know, like I told you, it's like, I didn't, you know, during that, that's, yeah, for a lot of people, I love Lucy and whatever else they were aping on, the golden age of, of TV. There wasn't really anybody who looked like me, and I just don't, I, I, don't, I don't have time for that. You know, I respect... The legend of that era of TV for what it was. But for me personally, like speaking to me personally, it doesn't really mean a lot to me personally. I get what it means to Hollywood and, and the, the, I can't take away from the, the contributions of the actors. But 
I, you know, it's just yeah. something. It, it's it's just something different when you, at least someone. It doesn't have to be a whole fucking uh, production about people who represent me, but just just someone. You know. Yeah, that isn't like serving in a boxcar or is you know a slave or in a decent you know, enough light. Not not you know. Yeah, not playing you know, some stereotypical role. Yeah, like it's and it's something that. It, it makes things hard to go back and watch. I mean, like I, you know, like I've taken film study classes and I watch some of these old films, and you know, like it's it's tough because it's like, oh look, there's a white guy playing an Asian dude. Oh look, there's Derek Carradine playing a white guy that should clearly be Asian. You know, it's like, uh, okay, well, you know, here's an Asian person and they are as racist as humanly possible. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I guess just. It's a different world, and we got to keep pushing for that. And it's something that I'm glad that we're finally getting into, to where you know, like I appreciate the fact that black actors these days have a lot more sway. I'm like, no, I'm not going to play another, you know, drug addict. I'm not going to play another criminal. Like, give me something worthwhile. Give me something with character. You know, like don't just give me the I need a bad guy right now. I need a generic Asian with facial hair to be a villain right now. Like. You know, we don't have to be that anymore, and it's finally getting to that point to where we can start saying no in comparison to, like, you know, like, I want to be an actor, and this is how I get into the Hollywood, you know, machine, is by playing these stupid, terrible people. Absolutely, and I was, that makes me think of a movie that I watched that I actually like. Um, it's uh, directed and co-produced, uh, it's directed by the RZA of Wu-Tang and co-produced by Quentin Tarantino, and... It's called uh, The Man with the Iron Fists. There's actually oh, two yeah. yeah, it's a really, really good throwback, you know, kind of spaghetti. Uh, I'm not sure how to exactly, but like a spaghetti Asian Western type of vibe. And it's cool until Russell Crowe shows up in Yellowface in like multiple scenes. And this is a movie that came out like early 2000s, I want to say 06, 07, maybe 08. And it's, I'm watching this movie and I'm fully engrossed in this world because I love movies like that, you know. <clears throat> and then that happens and it's just like, it takes you out of it. Like, it hurts your feelings. Like, and I'm not even, I'm not even any type of Asian. I'm black and Native American. But that hurts me because I know what it feels like to, you know, goddamn, like, blackface used to be really popular way, way back in the day. But it's just one of those things where it's like, you have the RZA, like I could see... Because Quentin Tarantino, as good as he is, is of Artur, he's kind of an ig ignorant motherfucker. Yeah. So I could see if it was just Quentin, but you have the RZA, and, and just it's it's wrong. It's straight up wrong because you have all these legitimate actors. Like on one hand, I could see why a white dude during that time of everything happened in the world would do some shit like that. And yeah, maybe it is historically accurate, but it's still pretty hard yeah. to look at. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's definitely a situation to where, like, as people, not even as actors or as musicians or as entertainment people, but as people, human beings, you know, like, you have to look at your co-stars and co-actors and being like, why can't you just bring in an Asian person? Why can't you just bring in a black person? You know, like, why are you black-facing when we can have a black person here? Why are you yellow-facing when we can have a yellow person here? Like, this is not necessary. You know, why hire a Filipino to play a Native American or Indigenous American? Um, like, that's not necessary. Like, you can just ask an Indigenous American actor to come in and play this role rather than having 
somebody that kind of looks like them play the role. Like, I, it, it boggles my mind that these practices still continue where it's like, well, he's a better actor. I'm like, I don't care if he's a better actor. If you're creating a role with a particular person in mind, find somebody that's that particular person. Stop, you know, having straight people play gay people. Stop having gay people play straight people. I mean, it's just not necessary anymore. But I mean, at least with gay people playing straight people, it opens them up for more projects where they would just get shut out entirely. But, you know, I keep pushing forward, keep progressing, just start having better representation by hiring people that represent the people rather than having people that are just good actors. Like, that can only take you so far. Absolutely. I absolutely agree on that. And uh, we'll head to the next piece of news on that tip. And uh, it's that uh, this is one of the Marvel movies that people seem to just have their their all their bonnets over and that's uh captain marvel 2 reportedly adds i'm gonna butcher i apologize i'm not trying to and i'm gonna butcher this guy's name and it's uh reportedly adds park co june known for his roles in it1 class and parasite to its cast revealed to be titled the marvels earlier this year the film will serve as a direct follow-up to the first Captain Marvel. Hmm. And it says it's a unspecified role, you know, a movie being un, un, uh, to appear in an undisclosed role in Nia DaCosta's Captain Marvel 2, officially titled The Marvels. And I haven't seen, I haven't seen Parasite, I haven't seen uh, I, I one Class, I'm butchering that as well, but, uh, I've heard nothing but good shit about Parasite. I keep meaning to watch it. It's just fucking... It's always sunny in Philadelphia, man. Get out of that hole. You know, that's my one pandemic black holes. It's always sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah. No, I'm I'm with you that one. I'm I'm very glad that we're making a better habit of reaching out internationally for international actors and opening up those possibilities for them to come in and, you know play American roles and you know because like we have American actors who like stepping into foreign films all the time and you know like it's this should be a international playground it shouldn't be well you know I'll come over and guest star you know Jackie Chan will come over and do a film every once in a while or you know whatever it is you know like you, you shouldn't have to break it in America to be in a film in America you should just be able to reach out and say hey like, I need someone that, you know, is, like, Korean, in this case, to play a character. Let's see who's over in the Korean field. Okay, well, we can grab this person, or a Korean-American, or whoever. I mean, it should it should be an international playground. It should be people being able to, like, pursue roles across the world, rather than just like, well, I'm a Korean actor, and I can act in films in America only. It's like, no, you know, like, see where you can get your film in, because... If you got the chops and you fit the rule and you're good enough for it, do it. Um, and I know people are going to say the opposite to where it's like, you know, well, now he's stealing a role that should have been for a Korean actor in America or whatever. I'm like, you know, like, I don't know, like, it's hard to say what's right or what's wrong, but it's still nice to know that the world is opening up and it's not America-centric. It is. I mean, it's, it's about time that uh, I've kind of gotten to a point, and, you know... I don't, uh, I don't hate anybody for the color of their skin, 
but you gotta call it for what it is. And for like fucking ever, and I guess it reached a fever pitch when people just couldn't. I got my own beefs with uh, the uh, the supposed end of the fucking Skywalker trilogy. Those last three movies that weren't even really a trilogy because they told the story out of fucking order. You know, if you, if you had any sense, you would understand that you don't tell the end of the story at part two, which is essentially what uh, Ryan Johnson's middle movie was. That was the that that could have been the end of the fucking saga. The way that everything ended. Are you kidding me? And so I I, I have an issue with those, but everybody else, every other man baby fanboy so called, had an issue with the fact that it essentially wasn't a white dude. And my issue with it is that we're at a point in the world where, you know, maybe two more decades down the road, it's just going to be a bunch of caramel people. We're not going to be any more of this, you know, one race is this, or there's just going to be one race, you know? And we're, we're, at a, we're at a point where enough is enough. Like, I love the, the, the new Jedi, uh, whatever it is, the last, you know, Star Wars game. But, oh, yeah, yeah, I keep bumping into the fact, like, we could have had anybody. It doesn't even have to be, like, give me a white woman. Just why am I always fucking looking at a white dude? Why is it always a white guy that's a fucking protagonist? And, you know, they've been getting better, but we're still doing that shit. And it's like, we, you have to be so fucking insane to be in such a tiny little box that you think that this is this is what represents the fucking world. That there are all these, there isn't legitimately a rainbow of other people out there and that a fucking white guy is not going to represent more than like I'd say maybe 20% of your fucking audience yeah and, I mean like in what you're saying like I completely agree I mean like how hard it would have been to have John Boyega's character from Star Wars be that main character like tweak it up a little bit to where like he is becoming a Jedi instead and he's not the last Jedi but becoming one I mean Boyega got done dirty because like he could have been a much more key character and the last film could have been about you know his story rather than trying to wrap up the way that they did which is kind of odd like like you said they could have they could have ended that you know Skywalker legacy in the 8th film and then just in the ninth film with Boyega and you know Oscar and just called it a day but instead they kind of got thrown in the wayside and became just a huge you know like just I don't know, like a fan pool, and I was like, oh, look at this, you know, masturbate to this, you know, Skywalker storyline that doesn't make any sense. Like, if you honestly believe that they intended to fucking bring Palpatine back, you're smoking future crack. Like, you're really high. Like, it, it just doesn't, doesn't make sense. Yeah, they want to like, be oh, edgy yeah. with, you know, with Ryan's or whatever. <clears throat> and then when people are like, fuck no, like, you can't do that you fucking asshole then they they fucking panicked and then for some reason some some fucking weird reason they thought that bringing palpatine back was like gonna be the cure-all which essentially like and it's funny because i remember hearing this on the podcast and like you know it's essentially the the palpatine saga i'm like yeah and you go back you look at it like the way that they ended things it's not the fucking skywalker saga it's a it's a saga about how one evil corrupt fucking greedy fuck ruined an entire bloodline mm-hmm. killed you, you fucking killed the skywalker you know bloodline it just it's irritating to me that uh that's how things went down it's irritating especially i tell a lot of people about 
John Boyega's first film, Attack the Block, which is actually getting a mm. sequel. Yeah, and, I'm excited about that. Yeah. And people are like, what, really? It's like, yeah, he's a good fucking actor. He hasn't been doing this for very long film-wise, but he's a good fucking actor, and all that that shit that they had him doing in Star Wars was, you know, kind of sad. You know, I feel like the only way that the only reason they didn't do Sam Jackson like that is one because he's Samuel Jackson, and two because George Lucas. And like, as much as it's funny, as much shit as people talk about George Lucas and his hatred, their hatred of the prequels and whatnot, which now now people love the prequels after what we got with the sequels. But it's funny that. You know, George was just a guy doing it because this is what he wanted to do. He was paying homage to shit like Flash Gordon and fucking that. What's that other one that was like responsible for Star Wars? Uh, John Carter of Mars and shit like that. Like he was just a guy that. And I was trying to explain this when I was talking about the Bad Batch uh, with my co-host. Is that difference between George Lucas and Disney is George Lucas makes his shit like yeah it makes it's made a shitload of money but it wasn't intentional when he screened uh, Star Wars not Star Wars A New Hope it was originally called Star Wars when he screened that people were distraught and crying and his friends were telling him it wasn't gonna be good like that's that's the that's the origin of Star Wars for any of the listeners who don't know I'm sure you knew that Tony but the difference between Lucas and and Disney is that Lucas legitimately gives a fuck about these characters and is invested in this entire universe. And to Disney, for the most part, it just seems to be another... It's just another IP that they can draw money off of. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like, if they want to keep their fans and, you know, keep money coming in from Star Wars, like, get, get Feige back on... Get Kevin Feige back on more things because he actually cares about the universe and about the characters. I mean, look how good The Mandalorian is. Well, that's because you know, John mean, Favreau. Oh, Favreau, thank you, Favreau. Yes, <laughs> and Filoni. Yeah, I was thinking Fiddy because of Marvel, but yeah, no, uh, Favreau. Like, Favreau just, like, and Filoni as well, you're right, yeah, like, just the fact that, like, they care about the world and the universe and they care about the lore and the storyline, and you know what, like, they're making you money at Disney, like, they're making you money in the good way, like, you know, making sure that they're putting quality product out. I mean, I was reading an interview with Ian McGregor saying, like, you know, he was kind of turned off from the Star Wars universe, but he watched The Mandalorian, he's like, and then, like, it blew up his love for the world again, and he's like, that, I want to be in something like that, you know, and so, like, that's kind of why he came back for Obi-Wan, was partly due to The Mandalorian, I'm like, yeah, you know, like, if I saw that, you know, after being in the first, you know, prequels, I'd be like, I would have been turned off too, but if I saw Mandalorian, like, you know, if I can be in that world, that universe, I mean, hell, even Mark Hamill came back, sorry, spoiler alert, even Mark Hamill's like, hell yeah, I'll do this, because, like, this is, this is my Luke Skywalker, this is my character, you know, not whatever they turned out in in the, in the last sequels. Yeah, with soul-crushing, you know, especially when you hear all this, and this is why I don't really give a shit about what, um, what uh, industry people, their chit-chat, it's all bullshit, anyways. You know, I, I remember, like, Kathy Kennedy, someone who seems like she kind of stabbed George Lucas in the back in terms of, like, what she's done with this fucking franchise. And uh, I remember someone higher up in Lucasfilm talk about how powerful Luke Skywalker would be in, in this, you know, since he's older, in this new franchise... And then what we got was like, what the fuck, man? Like, really, what the fuck? Like, I, I love Luke Skywalker as a character. 
not a super huge fan of where they took the character and it feels like if you if you look at it it's weird if you look at it it feels like uh favreau and filoni's mandalorian what they're doing on disney plus you know the tv side of things it feels like real star wars oh yeah yeah it, it definitely feels like it picks up from where the original trilogy left off you know like it, it feels right like it feels you know none of it feels forced you know i saw a t-shirt you know i i love women and and all that but you know this one of them was wearing a, a short a shirt that said the force is female and i feel like the whole thing about star wars and uh, that was like one of the great things about ryan johnson's uh movie the, the whole speech that rose tico had about uh winning with love or summer hope it was something it was an inspiring speech at the end of that movie that seemed like it kind of for for like a few seconds they understood what the whole entire star wars universe was about and what things were and then i don't know man it just seems like like george should have never sold it to begin with You've got the book of Boba Fett. Oh, oh yeah. that's a piece of news. I mean, it's not an official piece of news, but we're already talking about Star Wars. Might as well stop trying to talk shit about it and kind of, you know, as Dennis Reynolds would say, keep it light and playful. <laughs> and it's that the book of Boba Fett, they initially thought that there would only be six episodes, but they're saying that it could be longer. So Ooh. it might rival uh, um, The Mandalorian. And that also Tamara Morrison, who plays who played Django and Boba will be in every episode, which is, I mean, I don't know why wouldn't he be. Yeah, and that's then it's awesome. also going to explore what happened to Boba um, after the events of RO, was it ROTJ or is it Empire? No, it's Return of the Jedi, right? Where he gets swallowed by Sarlacc. I believe so. Yes, Return of the Jedi because Luke's wearing all black. He's decked out in the, in the bad boy swag. With black, stunned like his daddy, as the youngsters would say. <laughs> yes. So yeah, that's the last piece of news. Book of Boba Fett, which is I didn't even realize it's coming this year. I think it's coming. I think it's coming this holiday season. Yeah, it's coming soon. Although on the flip side, like I was just reading another article about the the Mandalorian might be delayed for a couple of years, and that's unfortunate because it's an awesome, you know, it's an awesome run, and they left it a really bad cliffhanger, but. You know, when you're putting out as many, you know, things and projects as you are Star Wars-wise, it's going to be hard getting all of them lined up well. Yeah, it's definitely, again, definitely in, uh, to pivot, you know, I have one more piece of news and we'll end this episode. All right. And uh, it's, I don't know if you've heard anything about the merger between Discovery and Warner Media. Mm, not at all. Yeah, they're looking to merge. I think that I think it's just waiting to get uh, FCC approval or whatever, and they're going to merge, and it's going to be Warner something Discovery. I don't know. You can Google it. I can't remember the name of it. But there was an interesting tidbit that I read. It's just scuttlebutt from what I was reading, but it's saying that the CEO, the the guy who's going to end up running this merged company, the CEO of uh, Discovery, is looking to axe anybody that was responsible for the Snyderverse. Huh. 
and it's not known whether that would be so that because those are the those are the fuckers that are stopping stopping it from being restored, so to speak, and you know getting back on track. It's there's a whole puzzling situation. You know they they gave us us of it who who wanted it done. You know they gave it to us, but then they're just like that's the end of it. Obviously, there's enough support that they could just continue it in some medium, but they just want to like pretend like it's not a thing. So that's yeah, you know, that's 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 weak. That's incredibly weak. I mean, like business wise, I can see why they do it, but it's still dumb as all hell. Because it's like they don't want to have their industry ran by the director or by the writers. They want to have their own say in their own films. And once they start having that kind of power given to the directors, like, no, I want my version or the highway, you know, like, that's going to cause problems in the future. But I'm sorry, at the end of the day, if what they're putting out is what the fans want and where your money's coming from, like, get your head out of your ass, you know, like, how much is micromanaging important to you versus the fact that you're going to be losing tons of viewership because if you lose the snack, the, you know, the, the Snyderverse, well, what happens with, you know, Zack Snyder when he goes somewhere else and makes quality product and they say, do whatever you want because you can make money. Exactly. I mean, he's already proven it with, uh, he's got his own budding universe over at Netflix with the Army of the Dead and whatnot. And, but it's just like, such a puzzling situation they almost in my opinion not out of spite but just out of stupidity and uh spending cash like it's frivolous uh they almost deserve to lose their fucking jobs they've proven that they don't they don't fucking know what they're doing i've had a beef with warner brothers ever since they delayed harry potter number six the movie not to improve it or to add the fucking battle because despite their excuse that they didn't need two battles because it's repetitive, some important shit happened in the first Battle of Hogwarts at the end of book number six. And they exclude that shit, and they exclude that shit, and then they push a movie a year because they didn't want it to compete with something else. They did it just to make money. And that's why this whole Zack Snyder Justice League situation is fucked up because they forced a Justice League movie into existence only that they, they went into to production on justice league weeks after bvs had premiered so that the fat cats and warner brothers could get a kick kickback if they had started this movie's production before the end of the year mm-hmm. that's why this shit's so fucked up and then they went and fucked it up more by taking advantage of poor Zack snyder in a, in a situation where his kid had passed away to go and fucking diddle with this guy's movie and have some fucking other creep come in and harass the cast and shit all over the movie and then, you know, now we're at where we're at with the situation where it's like, you've seen the, the this ridiculous outpouring of emotion from fans who want to see the movie that the guy who was making it intended to make you know, you do it, you know, whatever you say your detractors, four hours long, for me it wasn't nothing, you know because I wanted to see it, it was a great movie and you're going to see all that you're going to see all this love that people have and be like, no, we don't want to do this we want to do our own thing, DC Warner Brothers hasn't had a clear cut plan, anytime they fail they turn tail and fucking run you know, I could go on for an entire podcast about how they fucked with uh, David Ayer's Suicide Squad movie you know, it's a tale for another time. But they're famous for doing this shit. They, I remember them saying, we're a uh, director first studio. And they're doing this bullshit. Yeah. 
It's ridiculous, but you know that's you know save those save those uh, big decisions for the guys who make the big money. We're just regular guys work nine to fives. Mm-hmm. And uh, unless you had any news, I think that wraps up the episode. No, I think that uh, that's it for me until you know the next time we get together. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, you know as you've heard twice before, this episode's unofficially sponsored by Red Hook Big Ballard. Uh, I'd like to thank Tony for taking time out of his precious day to join us for uh, guesting duties on the podcast and save me because the last two episodes, uh, you listeners have listened to me stutter over almost every fucking word because I couldn't figure it out. Uh, so I am greatly appreciative to you, Tony. Hey man, thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it. I did as well. And it's, it's been great that every time I have a guest host, uh, the one thing I don't ever want to do is bring some random person on an episode who has no idea. You know, you don't have to be deeply ingrained in this world, know all the the BTS action, but you do have to at least have some type of love for it. And if you don't, it's just two people fucking wasting each other's time. So it's great that I can always bring on someone who's knowledgeable. And uh, you know, if the listeners didn't know, Tony actually had his own podcast. With uh, his significant other, I think I, I don't know. I'm not gonna say anything official about it. You know, it's it's been a while, but hopefully we'll get on our feet and start up something new again. Uh, I think our original stuff is no longer available, so I'm not gonna plug it right now. But uh, but yeah, it's, it's not my first radio, so I really appreciate being back in the uh, the mic again and back in the chair again because it's been too long. So I love it. Absolutely, and I've been wanting to do something with you forever. I just get. You know how it's been, man. It's been fucking pandemic. Mm-hmm. It's been COVID times, you know. Yep. We're only two steps away from some legit road warrior bullshit going on. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> but it's been a pleasure, sir. Uh, I, I hope, uh, I hope, or I know the, the listeners always appreciate these guest host podcasts. And, uh, yeah, I look forward to, in the future, talking about Loki but uh, the listeners, um, this Friday, Mr. Air Quotes Entertainment Beyond will finally be back from his fucking vacation so we can finally talk about fucking Friends from College uh, Season 1 and 2, you know? It's been a long gestating podcast, but we're finally going to finish it like those dads who really legitimately came back after looking for a pack of cigarettes. We'll be coming to you uh, this Friday. And uh, that ends the podcast. You guys have fun listening, and thank you again.